Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Hi, this is uh, Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. Hey guys, this is Cam York from Team USA. Hello, this is Tim Stutzler. Hi, my name is Noel Gunnler. I'm Alexander Holtz of the Team Sweden. Hey, I'm Dylan Cousins. Hey, it's Phil Tomasino. Hi, this is Devin Levi. Major Junior. Looks back to the point, turns, fires, scores! What a shot! First OHO goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Bedard has arrived here at the Brad Center, is first in the Western Hockey League. NCAA. Save! Watch out! Watch out! UMass are national champions! The NHL Draft. I am Slash and Kosa. This is Don Gunther of the Emmett Snow Kings. This is Luna McLoom from UGarn here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark. Hi, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Hey, it's Paul Stones with a two-fall stampede. This is Fabian LaSalle. I play for Lulio. Hey, it's Corson Kuhlman from Brooks Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Sandkoven. I play for the Camels Blazers. It's just Wolfis from uh, Lulio Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is the Pipeline Show. NHL Central Scouting's preliminary watch list is out. We've got four undefeated teams left in the Canadian Hockey League, two in the USHL. An NCAA coach gets a big extension and more. This week here on the Pipeline Show, welcome to the program, everybody. The the Pipeline Show is brought to you by our title sponsor. That is Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. It's the best beef jerky you've ever had. I guarantee it. If you're in Western Canada, though, you can get it. All you got to do is contact either location. You got one in Leduc, Alberta, the other in Spruce Grove, Alberta. The location in Leduc is the one that will ship it to you. You can get a hold of Trent there. And that's WilhockBeefJerky.com. Wilhock, W-I-L-H-A-U-K. It is well worth your time. Your taste buds will thank me for it. Let's get to the program, everybody. My name is Keith Flaming. I appreciate you stopping by. If this is your first time visiting the show, then uh, I appreciate you taking the time to download this week's episode. Let me know where you're coming from and uh, where you're listening from and what convinced you to download this week's episode and give the program a try. If you're a returning listener, well, obviously, thank you for coming back. The show wouldn't be the same without uh, the regular listeners and, of course, the patrons at patreon.com slash show. You really help keep the lights on here, so I appreciate all of your couple of bucks a month that everybody's chipping in to get early access to all the interviews that you hear on a full episode of the show. All of these, actually, except for there's one exception this week, hasn't been available until the, the full show has come out. I'll explain why in that segment a little bit later. Let's get to the question of the week, and I put it up on Twitter about uh, half an hour ago, so the the votes and comments just starting to trickle in. Uh, but I mentioned in the, uh, the lead-up here at the start, there are four remaining... Canadian Hockey League teams with uh, a perfect record. Uh, Those four teams who are yet to be defeated, no blemishes yet. The Everett Silvertips are 4-0. The Kitchener Rangers in the OHL, they're 4-0. The London Knights are 5-0. And the Winnipeg Ice keep rolling. They are 8-0. They're just coming off a 10-2 shellacking of the Moose Jaw Warriors. That's a good team. And they beat them soundly uh, that on, uh, on Wednesday night. So which of those teams is going to have the biggest undefeated streak to start the season? Well, Winnipeg's got a, a big lead so far because they've already played eight games and won them all. But uh, London and the Kitchener Rangers both in action tonight. So are the WHL's uh, Everett Silvertips. 
Winnipeg actually doesn't play until Saturday. But those other teams have some work to do just to catch up to where Winnipeg is now. And uh, the Ice are leading the vote on the poll. It's a poll at TPS underscore Guy on Twitter. Uh, as I'm speaking with you right now, 66.7% have uh, picked the Winnipeg Ice to have the longest undefeated streak to begin the season. And you'd think that hot streak might actually give Winnipeg the top spot in the CHL top 10 rankings this week, but you'd be wrong. They are now the top team in the WHL, moving past the Oil Kings, uh, but it's the Quebec Rempire who are, are on top of the heap. Patrick Waugh's team are 6-1 and one as I speak with you right now. The uh, Winnipeg Ice are the number two ranked team, followed closely by the Bathurst Teton, the Edmonton Oil Kings. Then you've got the London Knights, the Kamloops Blazers, who are still playing extremely well to start the year. The Hamilton Bulldogs are number seven. Ramuski, Kingston, and the BB Armada are number 10. The honorable mentions this week go to Valdor, the Everett Silvertips, and those Kitchener Rangers. Maybe let's start in the queue where the, those Rempar are in first place in the league, if you're going by winning percentage, but uh, first place by points are the Titan from Acadie Bathurst. They have played uh, one more game, though, uh, than the Rempart, and that's why both of them with uh, six victories. Bathurst has the overtime loss to their credit. That's actually came in a shootout, uh, so they've got one extra point. Top scorer right now in the queue is Joshua Roy, who, remember, he was the first overall pick in the queue a few years back. St. John took him, but uh, during COVID, he asked to be traded back home into Quebec, and uh, the Sea Dogs probably didn't want to do it, but they did, and uh, now he's in Sherbrooke and leading the league right now. Boy, I think the St. John Sea Dogs, I wonder if uh, if they could do it all over again, if they would uh, undo that trade, because they're hosting the Memorial Cup this year, and uh, right now they are... Struggling, they don't look like a team that is a, a contender at the moment. They are sitting tied for 11th place in the queue. They have three wins through their first eight games. Moving west to Ontario with the uh, the Knights and the Rangers with the undefeated records to start the season. I mentioned Hamilton also in the top ten. They're four and one out of the gate. The leading scorer in the OHL is uh, Jack Thompson of the Sudbury Wolves. He's got 13 points. Uh, through the first seven games of the season. Uh, Jack Thompson was a third-round pick in 2020 by the Tampa Bay Lightning. And in the Western Hockey League, the uh, top teams uh, going by winning percentage, you've got Winnipeg and Everett at the top, and then Kamloops, then Saskatoon, then Kelowna, then Vancouver, and then it's the Oil Kings. And it's becoming a story here early in this season. The Oil Kings, seven games in, have only scored 16 goals. They have a record of 4-2-0-1. They're winning very low-scoring and very tight games. They've scored 16 goals and have only allowed 12, but this team is capable of so much more. There are only three teams who have allowed fewer goals than the Oil Kings, and uh, that would be Everett, who's only played four games. The Vancouver Giants have only played three games, and Lethbridge has only played five games. The Oil Kings have played seven, but they did, they, they're struggling to score. And it's it's definitely become a story, and you wonder how much guys are starting. It's starting to weigh on them. Like Jalen Lipen's only got one point this year. It's a, it's a goal, a shorthanded goal, but he's only got one point in seven games. This is a guy I thought would be much more prolific, and maybe it's going to come. I think it will. But Dylan Gunther isn't scoring like we know that he can. And uh, Carson Latimer, he's got two points in his last two games. It took him a while to find the back of the net. He just finally got his uh, first goal. The last outing for Edmonton. All Kings are hosting the Brandon Wheat Kings tonight in a WHL action. 
uh, leading scorer in the WHL right now. Not not a surprise that it's a player from the Winnipeg Ice as they're really lighting the lamp this year. Uh, but it's Owen Peterson with 13 points. Matthew Savoy also with 13 points. Don't forget Tristan Robbins in Saskatoon right now, uh, back from uh, the San Jose Sharks. He's got 13 points as well. And at this point, you know he's not going. He's too old now for the World Junior Championship. If he stays healthy, Tristan Robbins could be a guy who leads the WHL in scoring this year. Uh, Connor McLennan of the Winnipeg Ice, another guy I'd be looking to be in that category with 12 points. The top 20 is out for the Canadian Junior Hockey League as well. Last week, the Ottawa Junior Senators were in first place. They've taken a tumble. They're all the way down to number eight this week. There's been a lot of movement here in the top 20. The Trenton Golden Hawks are the new number one, up from number six. The Georgetown Raiders are number two, up from eight. And the Brooks Bandits now assume the number three spot. They're up from seven. The rest of the top 10 looks like this. It's the Timmins Rock at number four, Burlington at five, Winnipeg Blues at six, the Steinbach Pistons in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League are at 7. Then it's those uh, Junior A Senators from Ottawa in number 8, North York 9, and the Fort Mac Oil Barons. The Mob are in 10th. Central Scouting's uh, watch list came out earlier this week. Nine players from the CJHL have been named, four from the Alberta Junior Hockey League. The only player to receive more than a C rating is uh, Rieger Lorenz from the Okotoks Oilers. You heard myself and... Uh, Derek Newmeyer from SC Hockey talking about him last week here on the program. Let's head south of the border and in the USHL, the uh, there are two undefeated teams as well, Des Moines and, and the Tri-City Storm. They're both 5-0. and uh, The Chicago Steel have played eight games. They're 6-0-2, so they're unbeaten in regulation time but have two overtime losses. Uh, they have 14 points right now. So they're technically in first place, but winning percentage, you gave it to Des Moines and Tri-City, who are both perfect. The Madison Capitals playing very well, though, as well. Remember, last year they didn't play at all. They're 5-1-1 one, one to begin the year. They're in second place in the Eastern Conference. Three points back of Chicago with a game in hand. Let's look at the top scorers in the USHL. Jackson Blake from the Steel is uh, in first with 15 points, followed by teammates Adam Fantilli and Sam Lipkin with 13 and 11, respectively. And Scott Sherman from the Des Moines Buccaneers has 11 points as well. Jackson Hallam of Green Bay and Tristan Lamar have uh, nine points each for their clubs. That's Green Bay and Dubuque. And I believe that uh, Truman and Lamar are uh, both Canadian. Yes, Truman, Scott Truman of the Buccaneers is uh, from Lethbridge. And Tristan Lamar is uh, from Mirabel, Quebec. And it might be Tristan Lemire. Not sure. I apologize if I'm getting that name incorrect. And, of course, Adam Fantilli is from Ontario. So uh, Canada well represented in the USHL. And speaking of uh, the watch list, the USHL's press release about the watch list uh, is it's a little bit confusing to follow. 79 players with USHL ties are listed, uh, but that's including guys who are no longer in the league and are playing college hockey or in a couple of cases like Matthew Savoy and uh, Igor Klavdiev. They're both playing in the WHL. A couple guys who are back in high school who have ties to the USHL but not actually in the league. Well, they are included here by the USHL, as are for the USHL's website, and I understand why they do it. They include all the players from the U.S. National Development Program as well, although scouts, and they, they consider them separate because they play, you know, about a third of their games in their draft year are in the USHL, but, you know, a third are against college opponents and a third are international hockey, so it's kind of weird to say that they're 
full-time members of the USHL, when really they're not. But I understand why the league does it. But all 16 teams are represented, whether it's with alumni who are, again, have moved on from the league or not. The USHL very well represented again uh, for the 2022 draft. Uh, in the North American Hockey League, player I want to spotlight this week is Hunter Longy, who plays for the Minnesota Magicians. He's on an absolute tear right now. He's got 11 points in his last five games. He's got 19 points in 14 games now and has taken the lead in league scoring. Kristaps Skrastens, who we've talked a lot about here in the early season, as Amarillo has rattled off a couple more wins in a row. They, uh, he now has 18 points in 10 games. And I believe points per game of guys who are actively playing. Uh, I guess he's second. Ryan O'Neill from the St. Cloud Norseman has 13 points in seven games. So 186 point per game there. The Maryland Black Bears still the uh, number one team in the North American Hockey League with a record of 9-3, 1-1 for 20 points. But again, if we're going winning percentage, it's the Austin Bruins who are 8-2-1, followed by the New Mexico Ice Wolves. Let's turn our attention to college hockey as I, I see the story that uh, Bob Motzko has had his contract extended by three years, which actually, I don't think I mentioned it, but that, that actually happened a couple of weeks ago. But it just uh, caught my eye when I'm looking at uh, the college hockey news website as something I don't think I mentioned before. So mention it now. It's a, it's a couple of weeks ago now. Matt Chasby has been named the head coach of the currently uh, hibernating Alaska Anchorage Seawolves. As they're on that one-year hiatus, they expect to be back in business next year. So Matt Chaspie will be the uh, bench boss there, and he can get busy with uh, recruiting because he's going to have an uphill battle there to uh, fill out that roster. The USCHO Top 20 poll for uh, college hockey, it's almost nearly unanimous. The Michigan Wolverines with a 4-0 start. They get 45 first-place votes out of 50 with uh, Minnesota State coming in number two, St. Cloud right behind them, followed by Minnesota and Minnesota Duluth. So uh, the state of Minnesota well represented for the top five teams, all coming from the state of hockey. North Dakota is at number six, Quinnipiac at seven, Denver, Massachusetts, Boston College ranked 10th. Then you've got Omaha, Providence, Notre Dame, then two clubs who haven't played a game yet, Harvard and Cornell. The Ivies will get going here shortly. They're ranked 14th and 15th, respectively. Boston University, they are 2-2-0. Two, two and oh. I noticed Jay O'Brien did not play last weekend for the BU Terriers. And when I reached out to somebody that's close to uh, that neck of the woods, didn't know off the top of his head why that was the case. Uh, Western Michigan at 17, Michigan Tech and Bemidji State uh, with uh, Northeastern rounding things out as the 20th ranked team with a 500 record of 2-2. Two and two. Top scorer in uh, college hockey is Matthew Copperud from the Arizona State Sun Devils. Carter Savoy, what a game. He had a six-pointer last weekend and is now second in uh, NCAA scoring with 11 points. Five players with nine, including Brendan Brisson from Michigan, Josh Doan of Arizona State, and his teammate Tim Lovell, Brandon Percelli, and Harrison Roy, or Roy, uh, both from Lake Superior State. All guests of the Pipeline Show join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. The tap house is open in Red Deer. While you're at the tap room, let them know that the Pipeline Show sent you. But the bigger deal here is uh, if you order online, if you live in Alberta, between Calgary and St. Albert, you can get free home delivery 
right to your door, absolutely free that delivery as long as you use promo code PIPELINE. You just go to troubledmonk.com slash shop, put in PIPELINE as your promo code, and you'll get uh, that delivery to your house no charge. I have to get a few of the uh, Oktoberfest and the Triple Dog Dare IPA because I haven't tried those ones yet. Nor have I had the uh, This Shit Is Bananas, which I'm curious about. If you've had it, let me know what it's like. Use that promo code and let them know the Pipeline Show sent you. The guest list today looks like this. Uh, you asked for it, you get it. You asked for more U Sports coverage here on the Pipeline Show as all these CHL players take that next step. They're playing Canadian University and then turning pro. Well, Stan Marple from the powerhouse University of Alberta Golden Bears. He's, he's their GM. We'll talk to him about uh, putting the roster together this year and getting back on the ice after a year off. Canada West didn't play at all last season. And uh, the new year has begun. We'll talk to him about the Golden Bears and just about the, the new look Canada West Conference. No Lethbridge College anymore, but you've got two new programs in uh, Grant McEwen here in Edmonton, Trinity Western as well. Uh, so we'll get uh, up to speed with Canada West hockey here in uh, U Sports via Stan Marple of the University of Alberta Golden Bears. Next up is Sam Cosentino, who his name's synonymous with uh, CHL hockey on television. Well, he's been doing games on CBC this year. Still works with uh, Sportsnet, though, and it has his rankings out, so we'll talk to him about the CHL stories that are uh, catching his attention, as well as the 2022 draft. The NCAA campus report this week. Really fun conversation with the head coach of Colgate, the Raiders. They got a tough matchup this weekend against Arizona State, but they're 4-1 to begin the season. And uh, head coach Don Vaughn is my guest to talk about that. And in the final segment, we turn on the 2022 draft spotlight. Netminder Mason Bopit plays for the Spokane Chiefs and is a player on uh, Central Scouting's watch list. We'll talk to him about the uh, start for he and the Chiefs this year. And interesting because I had this conversation with him on Wednesday and the very next day, his uh, running partner there, Campbell Arnold, was traded to the Victoria Royals. But when I talked to him, that hadn't happened yet. And we were talking about the relationship between he and Campbell Arnold, uh, who was, you know, he's the older goalie, what that dynamic is like, both guys trying to compete for the starting job. Well, as it turns out, Mason Bopit wins that starting job. So interesting to hear that conversation, though, as he's a player I think you need to know for the 2022 draft. So lots to get to. Let's kick it off, though, with Stan Marple as we talk Golden Bears next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. We need this win, you know. we got a lot of losses. To yeah, we got a lot of losses. That's what we're here for, guys, to win. Hey, this is Dave Hansen of the Hansen Brothers from the movie Slapshot. I'm ready to put on a foil but not drink any of that stinking root beer as I sit down and listen to the Pipeline Show with my good buddy, E. Just a little bit south of Saskatoon. Take my guitar for board and room. Five-time Alberta Junior Hockey League champions, the Spruce Grove Saints, are back and welcoming fans to the Grant Fuhrer Arena for the 2021-22 season. A community-minded Junior A hockey organization offering affordable family entertainment. Tickets to big league hockey at affordable family rates range from $9 to $15 with free parking and some of the best food and drink specials in town. For more information on tickets and how you can become a partner, go to sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Hey, as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. 
This is the Pipeline Show with Guy Fleming, and we are going to begin this week's episode with a uh, look at U Sports here locally, as a matter of fact, uh, in my own backyard with the University of Alberta Golden Bears. Uh, the Pipeline Show is brought to you by our title sponsor, that's Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky with two locations, Spruce Grove, Leduc. But if you're in Western Canada, you don't got to make that drive in. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, they will ship it to you, vacuum sealed, fresh, ready to go as soon as you receive it. That's WilhockBeefJerky.com. All right, we're going to look at the University of Alberta Golden Bears, and uh, that means uh, I'm calling on Stan Marple. He's the the GM of the uh, Golden Bears. Uh, Stan, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are things? Yeah, great. Thanks. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Oh, I appreciate you making the time. I, I, it's got to be an exciting time for you guys after. You know, I was going to make a hibernation joke or something. Last year, nobody played, and, and now the Golden Bears back on the ice. Uh, that's got to be exciting for you, for the program, all the players, everybody involved. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we did uh, we did the best we could last year in regards to keeping the guys engaged and having uh, some meaningful practices and training and, and tried to get some of the guys to make some personal uh, gains in regards to strength and, and that sort of thing. But you know, it was really tough not being able to play any games, but uh, the boys are very happy uh, to be playing this year. And, uh, you know, after an eight and two preseason, uh, we split the opening weekend, but um, I like what I see. We uh, got a very young team, uh, 17 guys new to the program. So uh, wow. I think we'll just keep on getting better and better. That's a, that's a lot of new faces uh, from the last time you were on the ice playing uh, in Canada West. And, and the conference has changed a lot too. Lethbridge no longer around, but you've got two new clubs with Grant McEwen and, and Trinity Western joining the conference. So a lot of change uh, on and off the ice. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a pretty big loss losing Lethbridge. Uh, they were, uh, you know, a, a great ambassador in the league and they weren't in the league a huge amount of time. But in that time, they, they won a national championship, I believe, in 93 and uh, mm-hmm. or 94. I'm not sure. But, you know, they had a strong team in the past and it would have been really nice this year to have 10 teams and a balanced schedule, but, um, you know, we're making, making the most of it with, with nine teams this year. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. Having 10 would be more, more favorable. Everybody could play every weekend then. Um, it, do you, do you expect that that's the plan long-term is to find another club to, to move up to the Canada West and U sport level? I would hope so. I mean, uh, the ACAC is a, a pretty strong league in my opinion, uh, as far as college hockey goes in Canada. And I'm sure we could maybe find one of those teams to step up. I think would be, it would, it would be, it would be really good for, for the league if we could have uh, like you say, balanced competition and everybody playing every night and get rid of some of these bye weeks but um, it is what it is. And we're going to make the most of it. And uh, right now, you know, after last year, the boys are just happy we're playing. And listen, the Nate Ooks have been a, you know, a really, that's a, a power much like you at the U sport level, the Nate Ukes at the uh, ACAC level have been that dominant franchise for, for years and years. And it would be a nice crosstown rival uh, to go. F- and uh, those uh, road games wouldn't take you all that long. That'd be a nice fit. Wouldn't it? I agree. I mean, I, I think Nate's got a great program and uh, they do a very good job there. So it's not uh, unfortunately up to me, but yeah. uh, hopefully the powers to be will, uh, will take a look at that for sure. Or let's uh, get to know your roster a little bit uh, and some of the key losses that you've had since uh, the last time you were on the ice. And a lot of these guys, former Medicine Hat Tigers, Stephen Howery, Cole Sanford, Trevor Cox, uh, Sawyer Lang no longer with the program either. And I, you mentioned 17 new faces, so that means there's a lot more than just those four 
who aren't returning from last year, but you do still have some of your your big guns, Grayson Polinchuk, who led you in in scoring, uh, both in goals and points, is back, and Matt Berlin. You got three really good quality goaltenders. Maybe with Lethbridge uh, folding, that's one of the spinoff benefits is you get a guy like Taz Berman to your team. Yeah, you know, right now, I mean, it's a good problem to have. Yeah. We got we got three guys that can all play, so uh, you know that that'll be uh, that'll be a conundrum for Coach Herbers to solve, but uh, <laughs> a good problem to have for sure. And you know, I think the the competition's healthy, and all three of the guys get along really well. And you know, most nights and you know in practice, they're they're three of our hardest working guys. So we're very fortunate to to have that type of depth. And what I would think is the most important position on the team for sure. Yeah, so that other goaltender is Nick Schneider, happens to be another Medicine Hat Tiger uh, alum. Uh, Matt Berlin, <laughs> Taz Berman, the three. How do you, is it like a three-man rotation? I don't know if that's up to you, if you have a say in that, or if that's all on Coach Herbers or, or not, but how do you keep three guys engaged you know, throughout the season if it's a three-man rotation? Well, that's what we're dealing with right now. We've, uh, you know, we just had the first, uh, the first weekend of Canada West action, and uh, you know, uh, I thought that Taz played really well on Friday. Unfortunately, as a team, we didn't play very well in front of him, and we didn't bring it. Uh, we put Schneids in uh, the second night, and the team brought it, and our compete level was much better on Saturday night in at Mount Royal, and we, we skated away with a 7-2 win as opposed to a 3-1 loss on Friday when we mm-hmm. didn't really show up. So, um, you know, Maddie backed up both games, and and Taz played on Friday and Schneid's played on Saturday and they both played well. So, uh, yeah, it's like I say, it's, uh, it's a good problem to have, but not an easy one to solve. Stan Marple, GM of the University of Alberta Golden Bears, uh, is my guest here on the Pipeline Show as we uh, talk a little U Sports. And, boy, that relationship between U Sport and not just your program, but everybody in Canada West now and the WHL, there's so many players making use of their a scholastic uh, scholarship package uh, from the WHL and the Canadian Hockey League. Uh, you look across the uh, Canada West now, and it's not just you and Sa- Saskatchewan that has WHL-rich rosters. It's everybody now. No, for sure. And, I mean, hats off to the Canadian Hockey League and in, in our, our jurisdiction here, particularly the WHL, for just doing a great job of offering this package. Uh, I know it's an incentive uh, for young players to uh, – you know, decide to go that route as opposed to um, maybe NCAA. But as far as I'm concerned, it's a much better scholarship program. Uh, you know, the players don't even have to play hockey if they don't want to. They can just use their scholarship program and get the education they want from the institution they want. And, uh, you know, it covers books and, and tuition for the guys. And it, it's it's just, it's been a great development tool for us in order to develop guys to, to get to the next level. Um, I think in the 10 years I've been with the U of A, we've had probably close to 40 guys go on to play pro at some level. And a couple guys signed entry-level contracts just recently in Zach Sachenko and, and Luke Philp. So, and then, you know, coming full circle uh, 12 years ago or whatever, I, I coached Derek Ryan and now he's playing for the Oilers. So yeah. uh, that doesn't happen with, doesn't happen with every program, but um, you know, we try our best uh, to try to develop guys to keep, not only their academics, but their athletic, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, goals um, high. And so a lot of the guys are playing pro. And it, it wouldn't be possible without the WHL and the great program, that school program they have. It's, uh, 
it's it's second to none, that's for sure. That's a great story with Derek Ryan, for sure. When it comes to recruiting, uh, what sort of questions do you get asked by players that you're approaching that maybe they weren't considering you sports at, at, at first? They were considering the ECHL or something like that. Uh, what do you? Uh, what kind of questions do they have for you? Well, my thing to them is, you know, it's usually the other way around. I'm usually trying to sell them on our program, but <laughs> almost every single player that graduates from our program, if they want to, goes and plays and has a good season or two in the East Coast Hockey League. So unless they're under an entry-level contract or they have a really good American League deal, my, you know, my my thought process to them is that, hey, you can go to the East Coast League. Why not use your WHL package and, and get an education? So now you have something to fall back on when hockey's over. We'll develop you perhaps at times better than you would get in the East Coast League because if a kid isn't making the American Hockey League out of the Western Hockey League, well, he probably needs to get stronger and faster. And it's hard to put the extra weight on, the extra strength, when you're playing you know, a 70-game schedule on the bus every night in the East Coast League. And our schedule, to be honest, is a little bit more conducive to, to making those personal game, games that will allow players to get to a higher level. And you get a lot of players not just playing in the ECHL when they're done at the U of A or, or the American League, but a lot of guys will go to Europe and have 10, 15-year careers. Yeah, I mean, you know, right now, if you look at it, we got we got uh, Cole Sanford and, uh, and Trevor Cox are playing together in Cardiff in the Elite League, and they're playing in the European League as well, the Champions League there, and they're having a great time. Uh, Tyler Soy is, is playing in uh, Belfast in the same league. Um, you know, uh, Butch, uh, uh, Chad Butcher's playing second division hockey right now in Sweden. Um, Steven Aury's playing in the top league in France. These are guys that just a year ago were playing for us or two years ago. So, um, you know, lots of opportunities for guys. And, you know, we just feel good about having a good place for them to get a quality education and develop their skills to a level where they can go on and play pro. And that's the goal for us. We're just you know, as, as many guys as, as we can develop to that stage, we're happy. And, you know, what's the worst thing that comes of it? A guy decides not to play hockey, and now he's got a great education to fall back on in a career, and perhaps we can hook him up with some of our alumni and, and get get them a quality job in their chosen field of study. So it's it's a great option for any young junior player coming out of the Western Hockey League, um, you know, to play youth sport hockey, Canada West hockey, and of course, I'm a little biased. I think if you're going to do that, you might as well be a bear. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Stan, i got to ask you about, uh, well, I, I've been following the Golden Bears for a long time. I did color for two or three years back in the you know in 2004 area, a couple of national championships in there uh, as well. I don't remember there ever being a player from Estonia on your roster. Is uh, Dylan Savenkov uh, kind of a rarity for you? Is this a first? Well, we, we did a few years back. Uh, we had a kid named Joel Osman from, from Sweden uh, who had played a little bit with the Swedish national team and, and a little bit of pro before his 21st birthday. So he didn't lose any eligibility. And he came over and did well for us. Unfortunately, he had a, a back issue and he had to stop playing. But, yeah, no, um, you know, hats off to Dylan. He sent in some video to Coach Herbers and I and, Coach Herber said, Marps, what do you think? And I said, well, you know what? I said, the kid's a good skater. I said, you know, if he can get into school, let's give him an opportunity. And, uh, you know, Dylan came to camp in great shape, and we've had a few injuries, and he's played every game uh, 
since we started here in September. I, I know he's played in North America for three or four years now at least, so the, the, I'm guessing the language barrier isn't really an issue? No, he's, you know, a little bit of a heavy accent, but, uh, you know, uh, yeah, he's he's very fluent in English and he understands and uh, really coachable, just a great kid. He's, uh, you know, was uh, gracious to have the opportunity and he certainly made the most of it so far. Stan, I was mentioning the uh, the fact that most of the rosters, if not all of the rosters in Canada West now, are all CHL grads or high-end Junior A uh, players as well. It, it's no longer, in my opinion, it's no longer just the U of A or, or Saskatchewan that can win this conference. To me, parity is a good thing, but you're from one of those teams that uh, was basically a guaranteed playoff team uh, in years past. So in your opinion, is parity a good thing? Do you like to see it that it's uh, it's tough to get out of your conference? Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, we had a little bit of a, a blip in 2019-20, but in retrospect, maybe it was lucky we didn't fly all the way to Halifax and then have the tournament canceled due yeah. to COVID. So <laughs> it's been a, you know, so other than that, uh, you know, I think we've been there every year since 2011. So, you know, I mean, but it doesn't mean it has to be that way. I mean, it's a very good league and, and we have to earn it. And, uh, you know, we didn't earn it two years ago. We, uh, you know, we took a little bit for granted. And next thing you know, we were bumped out of the playoffs by a team uh, that was really hungry. Like you said, had a lot of WHL grads and some great goaltending. So the coaching's very good right throughout the league. I mean, heck, we got uh, an ex-Stanley uh, Cup uh, winning coach and Olympic uh, uh, gold medalist in juniors and the senior team there in Saskatchewan right now. So mm-hmm. they came down and spanked us on a Friday night and we were able to get the win on the Saturday. But you know, so yeah, the coaching's great. Um, the players are good. The the competition is is getting tighter and tighter each year, and I think that's good for the league. It makes us better, and it gives our players a, a better uh, a better experience. That's for sure. Well, I've always felt U Sports Canada West hockey uh, is criminally underrated and and potentially underscouted. I think the underscouted part is changing. I think uh, pro teams are taking a lot more notice uh, of things now. Um, for the fans, uh, your home opener is on the, eighth, the last weekend of this month, October 29th and 30th, uh, when Regina comes to town, the Cougars. Uh, what do fans have uh, have to know before they come? It, uh, in fact, is it open to the public? Oh, for sure. I mean, at the moment, we're going uh, one-third capacity, which is, is roughly around 1,000 people. So if you're planning on coming to a game, probably best to get online at betheroar.ca and get your tickets early. Uh, but other than that, I mean, uh, hopefully, you know, our, our numbers are going down, um, you know, provincially, and hopefully we can uh, get that restriction lifted here in the next few weeks and and, and get uh, the Claire Drake Arena rocking with, you know, 2,500 at a game like it normally is. That'll be a, a lot better experience for the players and uh, and the more fans we can get, you know, the better it is for everybody. Outside of the capacity restriction, is it much like it is for the Oilers and Oil Kings and Flames and Hitmen? Is it uh, mask mandate while you're there? you got to be wearing the mask and double vaccination to get in? Yeah, that's correct. And it's a little bit easier now with with the app that the province has uh, handed out here. And, uh, you know, people are just showing proof of vaccination and uh, wearing a mask while they're not eating or, or drinking a beer. And, um, you know, then everything's good. Outstanding. Stan, I really, really appreciate your time. Uh, looking forward to another fantastic year of uh, of Canada West hockey action. The the U of A Golden Bears always so much fun to watch. Uh, thanks for doing this. 
Yeah, no problem. And thank you for being such a, a good supporter of junior hockey uh, here in Western Canada. It's uh, shows like yours that uh, really uh, hit the grassroots level and, uh, you know, probably uh, recognize a few stars before they make it there. Well, that, <laughs> Thanks a lot. That's the whole reason for the show, Stan. I appreciate you saying that, though. <laughs> all right. All the best. Cheers. That's Stan Marple from the University of Alberta and the Golden Bears, who are, once again, projected to be very, very, very strong within the conference this year. Interesting dynamic, though, with two new teams coming in, Grant Miku and Griffins, who are in downtown Edmonton. If you're familiar with the city, they're right downtown. The U of A just on the south side of the river. Uh, But real, I mean, that could be an awesome rivalry moving forward. And, man, it would be great, I think if Nate was the the team that eventually uh, was added to Canada West to become that 10th team, if, in fact, you know, Lethbridge can't come back, uh, or maybe it's uh, Sate down in Calgary, or or there's another program out there in Western Canada, you let me know. Maybe there's a team that you think, or a program, a university that should have their men's hockey team, and maybe the women's hockey team as well. I'm not sure if it's the same as the NCAA where you have to promote that if a men's team becomes Division One, a women's team doesn't matter. It, it could be a different sport. But a women's team has to be uh, Division One as well, which I think is great. But I don't know if that's the same rule uh, in Canadian uh, in U Sports. Next up here on the Pipeline Show, Sam Cosentino, an old friend of the program. He's a just longtime guy at uh, Sportsnet, doing CHL broadcasts on that network. Uh, right now, the games are on CBC, a six-game package to start the year. I believe then they shift over to TSN, but I'm not sure exactly uh, what the program and schedule is going to look like. But right now they're on CBC, and uh, he's got a game this weekend up in Barrie in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, We'll talk to him about some of those CHL stories that he's got his eye on, plus his initial rankings for the 2022 NHL draft are out at Sportsnet. All of that next with Sam Cosentino. You're listening to The Pipeline Show, fueled by Wilhock Beef Jerky. And now it's a 2 on 0 Mishak and Shirk, Jan Mishak, Patrick Gold. Hello, I'm Jan Mishak of Hamilton Bulldogs, and this is the Pipeline Show. Troubled Monk Brew of the Week has a real dark side to it. Tell us more, bud. A world award-winning brown ale, Open Road, ale that will have you asking yourself why you've avoided dark beers all these years. Roasty and delicious. Play with comparable Zidane Chara, dependable and solid, and not to be looked past. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer and get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at troubledmonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Hey, we're back on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Of course, the program brought to you by our title sponsor. That's Wilhock Beef Jerky, Alberta's best beef jerky. And uh, we're going to uh, chat with our CHL insider this week. That, of course, is Sam Cosentino, who is uh, calling games once again this year. CHL games uh, that you can find right now on CBC Television, which is an interesting uh, change and interesting change for you too, Sam, is that, uh, well, you're still at Sportsnet, but doing these games on CBC and doing them remotely, that's got to be a, a unique challenge for you. Welcome back to the show, by the way. Well, thanks. It's, uh, <laughs> it's good to be back. And you know what? Uh, I have to thank the, the CHL and CBC and Sportsnet for everyone agreeing uh, to me still doing games. Uh, I mean, I'm still under contract to Sportsnet, so 
for them to allow me those Saturdays, uh, you know, was, was really kind to them. Having said that, I mean, Saturdays hockey night in Canada, I, I, I don't work that show. So it just gives me an opportunity to continue doing the, the thing that I really love doing. And that's, that's calling games and that's calling CHL games. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to still be involved really happy to be involved. Um, would I like it to be on a more grand scale for sure, but doing the games remotely, no doubt presents a, presents a real challenge. And it's kind of the, the sign of the times it's, it's where we are right now. There's obviously less costs associated with doing the games that way. And I think mm-hmm. there's more certainty that, you know, should a game get canceled, um, you know, due to, due to COVID-19 that you're, you're not going to be eating a ridiculous uh, amount of costs. So, uh, you're you're trying to call it from from a TV, and and that can be challenging. And I suppose the thing for me is, as I look at, and you know this, you're around it. Like doing games, calling games, there's there's an art to it. And I think a lot of people that that don't do it, or or work in an office, or even work in an office in a sports setting, think that people just show up an hour before the game, they call the game, and they and they go and have a couple beers and go home. And, right. And really, that's not what it's all about. So where you make the games good is in your networking and in your contacts. So that's where you're going to be able to generate the best, most current information from with boots on the ground and speaking to people in and around the team, owners, general managers, scouts, uh, players themselves, coaches, assistant coaches, goalie coaches. That's where you get your best information and where you're able to tell your story. So there's an art in, in, in doing that. In you know making those contacts and using that network and then taking that information, using it in a wise enough way where you're not going to throw anyone under the bus. You're going to maintain confidentiality when it has to be maintained. Yet you're still going to be able to get to the heart of what what matters most, and those are the really good stories. So that's the part that you miss the most. You can make calls and you can email and text. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as face to face boots on the ground. And for me, that's that's where I find the biggest challenge as a color guy. Sam, from a broadcast perspective. Uh, I know there's got to be challenges. I was chatting recently with Cam Moon, who was the longtime voice of the Red Deer Rebels. Last year, he was doing Euler games remotely as well. And he talked about, you know, anytime the camera angle would change from the wide shot to down in the corner or something, he's completely lost because he has no idea what else is happening on the ice and stuff like that. Or seeing line changes. You only know what's, you're kind of a slave to the camera, aren't you? It's, that's got to be a challenge. Well, 100%. And, how often do you see a guy get whacked and you're like, well, I wonder if he's okay. And then you see him go down the tunnel or, you know, mm-hmm. how often do you look at the bench during timeouts and look at the interaction between coaches and players? Um, you know, how often, you know, you, the goalie out, for example, you know, if you're just looking at what's happening on the screen, how do you know if the, if the goalie's out late in the game? Right. Yeah, yeah. So you got to count the six players and hopefully you can do it on the fly. And sometimes they're not all on the screen. So there's a number of things that, that you miss or you have to kind of be patient to, to be able to see when doing it that way. And, and I agree with Mooner and, you know, he's a, he's a pro's pro obviously, but it, uh, it presents a lot of challenges that unless you're the, the person doing it uh, as part of the crew, you, you probably don't notice it much at all. And, and I guess on one hand, that's unfortunate. Uh, and on the other hand, uh, with, with us in the position that we're in, uh, it just, uh, you know, you, you want to do more and you can't. Uh, Sam, you've done two WHL games so far and one in the queue. This weekend's game, you're up in Barrie and you're actually going to that one physically. You'll be there. Uh, yeah. And then you have a, another game in the queue and another in the OHL uh, in this six-game CBC stint. 
Um, with the WHL, what has stood out for you so far about what's happened here in the in the early season? Well, it's it's interesting to me, and and you know it's it's tough with with the way the schedule is set up right now. But the Everett Silver Tips for me, like they just they never go away. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You know, Gary Davidson leaves, you know, they, they, they transition from coaches. Dennis Williams has been there for a while now. He just does an amazing job. They always, always have good goaltending. Like the, the, the sustainability of that program is really, really something that that's quite amazing to me. So that's probably the first thing that sticks out. Kamloops, you know, you kind of look at, at the Blazers and I figured they'd be poised to have a good year with the, with a lot of returnees and, you know, the experience that they had, uh, coming out of or going into COVID rather same thing for Edmonton um, you know even without Jake neighbors which is a little bit surprising and, and who knows if he maintains his his place there in, in St. Louis for the entire year um, you know off to obviously a, a really good start there and for me um, I look at Winnipeg and I think about Lambos and I think about Savoy and McLennan and think about Connor Geeky and, and boy that's a that's a pretty good foursome to build around mm-hmm. and so I really really like what the Winnipeg Ice are bringing to the table right now the Oil Kings can't score I, I don't know what the issue is that they're capable of being a, a high offense team for whatever reason through six or seven games now they just can't buy goals they're winning games 2-1 or they're losing a couple games <laughs> where they're only scoring one goal there's so much high octane offense on that team it's it's got to come eventually right It'll come. Yeah, there's no question. It, I mean, they're kind of the same story if you look at the Montreal Canadiens. Like, where's the scoring gone? There's there's enough firepower there that, you know, you get shut out a couple of times and have three goals in four games really is not is not right. And I think the Oil Kings with 15, maybe, 15 goals, 18 goals to start the year. And so that's, uh, you know, that's something that's going to get fixed. So you just have to be patient, wait for it to come. But you know, the flip side of that is if you're winning those games, that, that provides great experience for your group always playing in tight games, not uh, having to um, move away from, um, you know, the, the systems put in place by Brad Lauer and, and kind of sticking to detail for the entire game. And that, that can be something that I think can help you down the road too. Now, it's really early in the season. Connor Bedard isn't in the top 50 in WHL scoring. I look and Shane Wright's uh, barely in the top 20. It's very early there. The <laughs> OHL started a week later, but... Uh, these are guys who dominated the last time we saw them play regular season games. To me, this is an indication, one, it's very early, and two, the CHL's hard. These guys aren't surprising anybody anymore, and they're getting keyed on uh, by the other by the other clubs for sure. Uh, what's your takeaway? There's a number of things, and I think when you look at the bubble situation and having only played certain games against certain teams, and especially for Regina, who was able to do it at home, um, you know, there is that comfortability of being in your own room and the comfortability of, of not, you know, having to move anywhere. There was no travel for Connor Bedard. Bedard was on the fast track to, to get out and go play for the under-18s. So there were a lot of things, I think, working in his favor. And then the other thing he talked about is, even with him being new to the league, as, as hyped as he was coming into the league, until you actually see it, you don't really kind of pay attention to it. Um, and now this year, now you're leaned on a lot heavier to provide offense. You're getting different matchups both uh, at the center ice position against you and the D pairings that are out against you. And people are, are very well aware of what you can do. So then you start to become a target because, you know, kids at that age don't like one guy getting all the hype. So they start to, to target the player and play against that player more physically. And all things that are part of the natural progression of, of, of star players and what they have to go through at a young age. So, you know, the expectation is, 
Hey, well, we're, we think this guy should be, you know, a two point per game guy. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're right. The league, it's really, really difficult, especially when you come into a situation where expectations are, are heaped upon you the way they've been heaped on Bedard. Uh, let's go to the OHL, and uh, you were talking about the Everett Silvertips. They're just consistently strong. Uh, the London Knights consistently strong. They're off to another good start again this year. Yeah, uh, one of what three, maybe three or four undefeated teams that remain uh, in the in the Ontario Hockey League. But they have great sustainability in the program. They're able to to attract players that might otherwise have other paths that they would have considered mm-hmm. going into their draft year. Um, they've got a great coaching staff, and I think that's that's obvious to take good players to make them great players and to make them great players down the road in the national hockey league is a, it's a real skill and, and they deserve credit for it. I mean, oftentimes the London Knights have a good head start because good players tend to go there. Uh, but having said that um, you still have to kind of further their careers. You have to develop them further and you have to, you know, turn their game into a pro style of game. So, you know, one thing that London's doing doing that well right now is they're defending. Brett Brochu has just been dynamiting goal for them, and now they're they're getting some balanced scoring and some good guys in the back end. One player that I really thought was underrated in this draft year was Luke Evangelista, and he's a he's a guy that's also gotten off to a good start here as as his minutes and his uh, his time improves. And I guess the other guy who's a bit of a surprise, um, you know, with this being his rookie season, is, is DJ Smith's son, uh, Colton Smith. Hmm. He's a he's an 05 guy and he uh, he's coming off a three or four goal game uh, on the weekend. So he's a guy too that uh, has probably surprised some people with uh, his ability to score goals here early on. How many uh, uh, OHL players, I guess, that could be back in the league this year aren't? They're still playing in the AHL because they got that extended look last year, and I believe the they made that rule this year where the guys who played what more than a dozen games or 15 games. Uh, last year, getting yeah. to continue playing. I'm thinking of Cole Perfetti and Ty Forrester and uh, and yeah. Jade Wisdom. I know Wisdom's hurt, but yeah. he'd be that guy too, wouldn't he? And, uh, and Jean-Luc Foudy? Yeah, and and the other guy, I mean, essentially, it's Jamie Drysdale. We know him for all that he did um, with Anaheim last year. But, yeah. you know, that really started in San Diego. And now he's obviously not coming back. Um, but in a normal year, if for whatever reason things went sideways for Drysdale, he'd be a guy that, that would have to come back too. So right. when you when you look at that group of players and talk about um, you know the, the entire skill level of the league, you know on, on one hand you're like wow you'd really like to see those guys back in the league to increase the quality of the league itself. On the other hand, you have to be really happy for the individuals because they took advantage of an opportunity that hasn't been afforded players in the past. And so they're saying to themselves, "Hey, I'm I'm playing in the American League. I'm I'm being I'm a su- successful guy playing in the American League. Byfield would be another one, um, you know. So so good on them for taking advantage of that opportunity. But no question, the other kind of people that uh, have raised their eyebrows, maybe outside of fans, is Hockey Canada. What happens with those guys come World Junior time? Chances are they'd get released from their American Hockey League team, but there's less of a guarantee that would happen right. if they were, you know, with their respective CHL teams. That's something they, we'll watch for that, I guess, here in the next uh, month or two. Yeah. What are the sure. What are the big stories out of the queue that have caught your attention so far? Well, I mean, when I look at the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, you have to think about uh, the hosts of of the Memorial Cup, and so there were two teams that were bidding for it: the St. John Sea Dogs and the Quebec Ramparts. The Ramparts, of course, hosted in 2015, but Patrick Waugh came back since that time and 
I mean, really just ch- entirely changed the team and, and of course put it in his mold and his vision. And, you know, they're, they're off to an, a, a wonderful start. They're scoring goals at a bit of an alarming rate right now. And so that's a team that's, that's really done, you know, done some, some good things. Uh, and then you look at St. John and they're sitting in last place in the Maritimes. You know, they were wondering if maybe they were going to get Kuznetsov back from Calgary. I think he's still in Abbotsford and, and likely remains there for the year. They have enough pieces. They got a new coach in, in Gordy Dwyer. So there's a little bit of that uncertainty in terms of, of them being awarded the cup. When you looked on paper at their team, you thought they'd have the team to do it. You looked at the city. It's got the infrastructure to do it. And then you consider what happened in 2012 when they were a surefire bet to get the cup and kind of at the last minute, Shawinigan ended up getting it. So mm. I think it's gone to the right place for the right reasons, but uh, it's not a team that you want to see continuing to mire, um, you know, in the basement of the Maritimes division for much longer. They kind of got to pull up their boots and get moving here. Right place, maybe the wrong time. Maybe they should have got it, you know, back uh, when Shawinigan did in, in 2012. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you think about that run, Guy, I think 10, 11, 12, you know, they won it in 11. In 12, they were in the Memorial Cup in, in Shawinigan that year, which was which was kind of interesting, but weren't quite the same as that, that 2011 team. So they were probably poised to, you know, had they hosted that year, you're right, maybe to to be a little bit better off than at least what they look like so far in the early going. Well, Quebec scoring, they've got 30 goals for, they've only allowed 11 as well. So, and that might be the lowest uh, in the league. So pretty impressive on the offensive and defensive end. Uh, let's go to your rankings at Sportsnet uh, for the 2022 draft. No surprise, Shane, right? The, the top guy. I want to ask you about Brad Lambert, who's playing professionally in uh, Finland, uh, only has one point in nine games, and I had a conversation in September with Les Lazarus, the voice of the Saskatoon Blades, and he thought there was a, a, a feeling around the organization. There was an outside, maybe not even an outside chance. He ends up with the Blades uh, sooner as opposed to later. I'm thinking maybe after the World Junior Championship. He thought maybe even sooner than that. Are you hearing anything in regards to that? I haven't heard that, but I know that he's been sat out a couple of times. I know his minutes are down, and I also know that his teammate, Joaquin Kemmel, was at least a few days ago leading the league in points. And so you have that additional uh, pressure added to you as a, as a draft eligible player, but it is a fascinating, uh, you know, case and study for sure. Um, in that he represents Finland was born in Finland and, and, you know, had a 46 game stint where he put up 15 points against the, the in the men's league last year. Um, but obviously, you know, whether it's draft year blues, whether it's, He's feeling that Kemmel's getting the, you know, the primetime minutes and he's not. Um, he, he's such a fascinating guy. When you look strictly at the, at the toolkit that he has, it's like it's electric. He edges well. He's light in the skates. He can shoot the puck. He's got excellent vision. Maybe, you know, tends to defer a little bit too much on, on the vision side of the game. But he, he really has it all. And so w- when you look at him at the World Juniors, he surprised a lot of people because he comes in as a double underager. I think he puts up five points in the World Juniors. Then he goes to the under 18 with the ex- expectations that he should be the guy there. Mm-hmm. And of course was overshadowed by Bedard and Mitchkov and, um, uh, you know, a couple of the Russian players and Mira Shishnenko and, um, you know, uh, right. Bedard, Mitchkov, those guys. And, and he doesn't perform quite up to those expectations. So then you're thinking, all right, he's going to have some time off. He's going to be able to go back. He's going to be able to start in the, in the Finnish Liga where he's had success before and he should just be off and running. 
and that hasn't happened. So no doubt all of those things are fueling the fact that maybe he ends up in Saskatoon and maybe he ends up in a, in a place where he obviously has family, his dad Ross is from there. Um, and, and maybe it's a situation where he gets to play with players closer to his age group and then can regain, regain or, or refine the, you know, the success that he had last year in the Liga. But uh, he's an interesting study. I mean, I have him at number two right now, Guy. But, you know, at, at some point, uh, the, the tool co- must, must also perform. You can't just have a great toolbox sitting on the floor without a good carpenter to use them. Well, or else you're Atu Ratu and you see your stock tumble. Yeah. Even though he, yes. you know, he's been really good since the draft, but the last year was not a good one for him. Yeah, that's a that's a great a great case in point. And it's funny because I put him at the end of the first round, and and when I went back and looked at it, I said, well, well, why? Like, what's the impetus for doing this? And then it was some really what the impetus was, Guy, is is a lot like Jesse Pugliarvi. Um, you look at some of these finished players that play for the World Juniors as double underagers you think that they're going to be lights out, that they're going to continue on that progression. And sometimes, like in Pugliarvi's case, it just doesn't happen or it takes longer than we expected or as fans want it to. Hmm. Is there a goaltender this year that could be first-round eligible or or, or potential uh, caliber for that high? In the last three or four drafts, we've seen a guy be taken, and there were two last year who were taken in the first round. Is there one this year that seems to be clearly ahead of the pack? still think we have a little bit of that uncertainty based on, okay, well, we know players are, are playing this year in what looks to be a full season and what we project to be a full season. And so we get their draft year to be able to say, yeah, we saw them for a whole season. But there's still some of that uncertainty with less track record, no under-17s, you know, no Halenka for, for some of the players, the Canadian players especially. And so you wonder about, if that track record is going to have an impact because you like to build a book from a young age, whether it's the under 17 and then you go to Halenka, then you go to under 18 worlds and then you have a regular season as a 16 year old in the books already. Well, for some of these guys that hasn't happened. So when you look at the goaltending position, it makes me think that teams are more apt to go down that road because they already come as an uncertain package. So why not stick with that uncertainty at a position that's super, super important. So, Who's that guy? Is it Ty Brennan? Not off to a great start. Um, you know, is it going to be maybe a, a, an 03 or maybe even an 02 guy who steps up and has a lights out year where there might be some book on an 02 from a 16 year old year and you followed him and you've seen him progress and those sort of things. So right now, I mean, Brennan, I have him at the bottom of my list. He'll probably be taken off uh, when we do our rankings again next month. And I don't know if I see a goaltender, uh, you know, coming up in that uh, in that spot in the first round right now. Last question for me, Sam. You mentioned O2s and O3s. Is it unreasonable to think there'll be more than the normal uh, overage player being taken in the draft this year just because of uh, all the COVID stuff we everyone's dealt with the last 18, 20 months? Well, I, I don't think there's any question we're going to see more of that. And it's funny, I had a conversation with a scout yesterday. He said, you know, and I asked him, I said, if I'm looking at this O3 group, are you just focusing on those players from Ontario? because they didn't play. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he said, no, no, we're, we're focused on the entire O3 group. You can't, you can't really sleep on anyone. So unlike most years, you know, as a scout, you go in and you watch someone who's in their first year of draft eligibility, and then someone might catch your eye who's younger or maybe even a year older. And you're like, okay, well, I'll make some notes on this guy. Well, it's, it's not like that. It's you go in with your list of, of O4s, and you also go in with a list of an all threes when you're when you're going to watch games. 
And so you have to be mindful of that. You don't want to let anyone slip under the cracks, but I do think this still, this draft will still provide some late round steals because of that, because of some of those re-entry players. Uh, I like it. I, I think it's great that uh, scouts seem more apt to uh, kind of look at guys who they passed over in the past. And, and I think they got good reason to be considering those 18, 19 year olds this year, but uh, I, I like it. Late bloomers. Uh, that's uh, some of those guys really pan out. So for me, I like it. I, I love it too. And you know what? It, I think it should give hope to a lot of the kids out there who, who listen to the show or follow the draft and maybe are, are upset that they never got drafted. Um, that, that maybe this year more than any other year, you should hold out hope that hold out hope that that can happen for you this season. Barry Colts in Ottawa 67s this weekend, right, Sam? Yeah. Really looking forward to being in the ring for that one. I'm, I, I can't tell you how excited it's, uh, March of 2020 was the last time I was in a rink to, to call a game, so I'm pretty pumped. This was excellent. Thanks again, Sam. I really appreciate any time you make time for the Pipeline Show. Okay, Guy. Always, uh, always a pleasure to, to be on with you, and, and best of luck with you and, and your work with the Kings. Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet and uh, doing those CHL games on CBC as well. And I know that the, the rights to the CHL games are it's going to be on TSN here after the CBC games, I believe. And I'm not sure if that's all hammered out exactly who's going to be on the broadcast and stuff. But, you know, if there was a way to have Sam, whether it's from Sportsnet to TSN to do those games, or if it was only to do those games, uh, whatever the case, it just seems like CHL hockey on TV and Sam Cosentino, they go hand in hand, in my opinion. But we'll see what happens. Uh, and when he said uh, good luck with the Kings, he was talking about the Edmonton Oil Kings. No, I'm not going to uh, work with the L.A. Kings or something like that. I'm doing color again for the Edmonton Oil Kings, which you can hear on oilkings.ca. Andrew Peard has the play-by-play, and I handle the color analyst uh, duties uh, here in Edmonton for the home games and those down in Red Deer as well. So uh, that's been a lot of fun so far this season. All right, next up on the Pipeline Show... We're going to the state of New York and uh, to a university that, well, doesn't get a lot of attention. And so I wanted to get head coach Don Vaughn to come on the program and tell me all about his program as the Colgate Raiders are out of the gate with a 4-1 and record. That's Colgate University. We're talking about them next here on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Pashnuk with a fake shot, and he goes... The other way, spinning a couple more spins, two or three of them. Princeton Pashnik. Pashnik with a shot. He scores! Far down! Princeton Pashnik! Are you serious? Hey, it's Princeton Pashnik from the Arizona State Sun Devils, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Colton Pareko. And Patrick Sharp. We're stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Key Flaming. Who is this genius? We're back on the Pipeline Show with Key Flaming. Of course, the program brought to you by our title sponsor. That is a Wilhock Beef Jerky. That's Alberta's best beef jerky. 
but this is a this is a NCAA campus re- report segment. So those are brought to you by College Hockey Inc. If you're a player or you have one in your family and you need to know what you can or can't do to maintain your college eligibility, College Hockey Inc. Great resource for that. You can get in contact with Mike Snee or go to their website. Lots of information there as well. Uh, my next guest is uh, the longtime head coach at Colgate University, uh, and the Raiders off to a terrific start this season uh, out of the gate with a 4-1 and record. Uh, that's head coach Don Vaughn. Welcome to the program, Coach. How are things? Oh, gee, great. Uh, great to be with you. Um, I think any time we can you know, spread the, spread the word uh, north of the border into an area that we do a lot of recruiting. It's, it's great for us. So I, I really appreciate you having me on. Well, you're a Canadian. I, I, I noticed there's lots of Canadians on your roster and I don't think that's a coincidence, but maybe we'll start with the recruiting process because uh, the, the, obviously you've got a lot of Albertans and a couple of your marquee players are, are coming from Alberta here as well. Like your two leading scorers are Albertans. Your starting netminder uh, is an Albertan. This is prime recruiting territory for you. It really is, and it's uh, it's something that's probably relatively recent. I, I would say seven, the last seven or eight years. I had a, an assistant coach named Giuliano Pagliero from uh, from Calgary, and he had some great ins there. And you know, like anything, recruiting is is very much like any business. It's about relationships, and we've built some great relationships with you know some of the programs in Alberta. And as a result, we've we've been able to attract. Uh, you know, some very good players, some really good student athletes. Obviously, you know, the Brooks Bandits have been good to us. We've got, we've had four, four former Bandits uh, on our roster the last uh, four or five years, including this year, Josh McKechnie's our leading scorer as a, as a fifth year senior. Um, so yeah, the league's been good to us. Uh, we, you know, Bobby McMahon was a great player for us, played in Bonneville. We've had, we have the young brothers here now, Alex and Colton played for Canmore and like you mentioned, our goalie Carter Guylander, who's got a huge upside. I think he'll be a pro in the NHL at some point. Played for Sherwood Park, and and then Evan Shumi, big tough guy for us. Uh, you know, played in the Alberta League and is currently playing over in, uh, in in the Swiss Pro League. So, as you mentioned, Alberta's been very good to us, and um, we're going to continue to to you know to be in the backyard there as much as possible. What is the recruiting process like for you when you're talking to to players and their families up here? Because, you know, listen, let's be honest, everybody knows Michigan and Boston University and North Dakota. But when you talk to a player and you say you're from Colgate, I'm sure the first thing that comes to their mind is toothpaste. Yeah. So, what you know, what sort of questions do you get about your program? Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's like anything. I mean, if you want to go to a big urban school, I mean, Colgate's not for you. But we find that... You know, the Alberta kids, you know, they're used to playing in, in smaller communities, whether it's, you know, the, the rinks or the, the, the teams are playing on or against. So, you know, we're a small community, but we're also, you know, a small liberal arts school with 3,000 students in a beautiful setting in central New York and high academic standards. And, uh, you know, again, if you're looking to play at a, a 40,000 student, you know, a university, then Colgate's not for you. So we have a nice niche. Uh, I think the Alberta kids are comfortable with that, or at least the ones that we've you know, that we've been able to attract to Colgate, and it's been a great fit both ways. I mean, all of these kids have had, you know, great experiences here or continue to do so. And, um, you know, Colgate, it's just a great school. It's a really strong academic school, and a lot of families are looking for that as well as, as, a, as you know, an opportunity to play at the highest level you can in the United States and in, 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 uh, in college. So it's a great fit for a lot of kids in Alberta. Don Vaughn's the head coach at the Colgate University and the Raiders off to a great start. Four and one to begin. You won your first four games coming off a, a 5-3 loss against uh, Merrimack. The schedule doesn't get any easier. Arizona State, Western Michigan on the immediate horizon to, to finish out the month. Uh, what have you seen from your team this year? 
We've been really pleased uh, with our team. Our young guys have contributed. Our freshmen have, have, you know, I think we've had four or five guys score goals. Um, I've been really pleased with our leadership, and that includes Josh McKechnie, Paul McAvoy, uh, two fifth-year guys that were able to come back because of the, you know, the NCAA rule related to COVID that gave everybody an opportunity for an extra year. Mm-hmm. And it started really in the summer with them, you know, their leadership qualities they were both captains last year they just they 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 rallied the troops in the summer and got guys excited and better prepared to start the season and uh i mean our compete level has been through the roof i mean you know early in the season obviously there's going to be some hiccups and some things we need to continue to work on um but overall our our compete and our intensity and our our possession our puck possession has probably been as good as it has since maybe 13 14 when we went to the ncaa tournament and getting really solid goaltending so you know, it's uh, it's a battle. I mean, every night's a battle. There's no easy games. And, you know, we gave up a 3-1 lead in the third on Saturday. Again, another learning experience. Um, but overall, I've been pleased with our effort. Uh, again, things we need to continue to work on. Our special teams play has been really solid. Um, you know, but like you said, it doesn't get any easier. We'll have our biggest test of the year probably this weekend with Arizona State in here and then a really good Western Michigan team the following weekend. So, you know, these non-conference games prepare us for what we feel are our hardest games and that's uh, the games within the ECAC. So, um, you know, one game at a time and, and hit reset the next day and get get ready for the next one. You go back to last year, the ECAC basically didn't play. It was just you and three other clubs. It's got to be a lot of fun to finally play games that aren't against Clarkson, St. Lawrence, or Quinnipiac. <laughs> Yeah, you're right, Guy. I mean, we played. Uh, I mean, if, from a development standpoint, it was fantastic for us. We were a young team and had to play, you know, three really good teams on yeah. a you know more regular basis than we wanted to. But we played Clarkson and Quinnipiac a combined 14 times last year. <laughs> um, it was very uncommon, right, for college hockey. Yeah. So it really seasoned our guys. I mean, they, the young guys realized how hard you have to work every shift to be successful at this level. Um, but yeah, it's great to have everybody back and seeing different, you know, different programs every weekend. Uh, but we were very fortunate last year. Colgate and the other three schools did a remarkable job doing everything they could just to allow us to play. And we were testing three times a week for COVID and, you know, the protocols that were in place, our guys, we didn't have one case the whole year. Um, you know, so I tip my hat to our guys for following the protocol. But, you know, it was fun to play last year, but it's even more fun this year when you get everybody back at it. You mentioned some of your players when we were talking with the Canadians. Um, I wanted to go specifically about uh, the, the young brothers in Carter Guylander, uh, especially um, not just because they're from this neck of the woods, but Alex Young and Carter Guylander also drafted players. So they're NHL clubs and, and the fans of those teams will want some more information about them. Uh, maybe let's start with Alex Young. He, he, he was tied for team lead in scoring last year as a freshman. He's uh, off to another good start this year, point-per-game player. How, what, what sort of growth have you seen in his game from one year to the next? Well, he's stronger, um, you know, from last year to this year. I think, like most first-year guys, they don't, you know, they think they they think they they're where they need to be, but you know, they're they're playing against on a regular basis, you know, 23, 24-year-olds that that are living in the gym. So I think he's much heavier on the puck this year than he was last year. Um, he, you know, he's generating opportunities. The puck hasn't gone in for him like I'm sure he wanted to, but he's still creating offense. Um, and that's just a matter of time. But he's he's a very dynamic player. I mean, he's. Uh, He's one of these guys that can really, you know, shift gears, and he's really good east-west, so he can escape. Um, and his top-end speed is really good. I think his shot has really developed too over the last year. It's, it's his release is much better, and 
he's hard to contain just because he's so shifty. Um, you know, this guy's a smart player and looking forward to, uh, to having him here for the next, uh, you know, three years. So, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's got a real good opportunity, I think, uh, you know, after he develops here. And I think San Jose will, you know, we'll leave him alone and let him develop at his pace and, and then give him the opportunity when that time arises. And Detroit has a number of high-caliber uh, goaltenders in their system now. Uh, they just drafted Sebastian Kosa in the first round, who's another Edmonton-area kid. But uh, Carter Guylander, uh, another big guy, six foot five, um, And this is, this is a player, I don't know what you expected from him as a freshman, but on paper at least, from the outside looking in, it looked like he kind of went in as the number two guy and maybe won that starter's job as the season went on. Is that inaccurate? No, that's not inaccurate. I think that's uh, fair to say. I mean, we, you know, we wanted to try and, you know, ease him in, if you will. I mean, you know, put him in situations where he'd have the best opportunity to succeed, you know, but the way the, the way the play went last year, like you said, with only four of us playing, um, you know, he really came along quickly. You know, he's, he's a very athletic goalie. He, um, he obviously fills the net with that size and technically he's solid. So we were, we were thrilled that he was able to, uh, you know, to take the reins. He, you know, we had a, we had a goaltender get injured, which accelerated his, you know, his jump to the number one spot. But, uh, you know, we've experimented here a little bit in the early going, trying to get everybody involved, but, uh, you know, I'm clearly anticipating that he'll be our guy, you know, when the time comes. Uh, I imagine there are two or three guys that will come to mind, but who gets overlooked or doesn't get enough attention on your roster? Yeah, you know, I, I think Josh McKechnie, at least in the, in, you know, in the, the early going here, I just think he's somebody that some NHL team is going to is going to realize just what an upside he has. He's so heavy on the puck, and he can, you know, he creates time and space for his line mates, and just a big strong guy. I think he'll get uh, some more opportunity and and more looks as we start to, you know, he's, he's averaging a couple points a game. So that'll, mm-hmm. that'll help. Um, Colton Young, Alex, Alex's brother, actually has been one of our best forwards to date. He's um, an interesting guy. I mean, obviously he's probably been in the shadows a little bit of, of, of Alex. Um, but I think he uses that to motivate himself a little bit. And, you know, he, he, he's a gamer, you know, if, if you came and watched our practices, you, you might not notice him, but when the puck drops on Friday and Saturday night, you really notice him. And, uh, you know, he scored the overtime goal here for us on Saturday night, just an unbelievable individual effort. Uh, you know, so everybody, you know, Alex being an NHL draft pick, obviously eyes are on him, but his older brother is a really good player too. All right, coach, I got to ask you about your path to, uh, to where you've been. Cause, uh, you've, you're a year away from 30 years behind the bench, uh, at Colgate, that that probably happened a lot quicker than you thought it would. Uh, but from Almont, Ontario, uh, you played uh, college hockey as well. You even went overseas uh, briefly, as I can tell that you played in the Netherlands and co- player yep. coach. What are you, Reg Dunlop? All of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> it was an interesting experience, that's for sure. Uh, well, tell me why college hockey was the right path for you, and, and clearly it uh, it got into your skin because uh, you've been there forever. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's been an unbelievable you know, ride. I mean, uh, Colgate's been very good to me. I've had a lot of great mentors along the way, you know, starting back with my brothers. I had two older brothers that sort of did the unconventional route back in the seventies and, and, you know, came to the U S to play college hockey. Uh, both my brothers played at Cornell. And so that opened my eyes to what was possible. And, you know, growing up, as you know, and, you know, in Canada, in the seventies, it was, you know, 
college hockey in the U.S. wasn't at the top of our list. You know, we all wanted to play major junior and then move on from there, hopefully to the pros. But my brother took an unconventional path at that time and, and played U.S. college hockey. And my first experience is watching college hockey. It just blew me away. The energy in the building. There's there's nothing quite like it with the, you know, the, the pep bands and the student section. And I'll never forget my first game. It just, uh, you know, from that moment on, it was, this is what I want to do. And I was very fortunate. Um, I ended up at St. Lawrence University in the ECAC. I played uh, I played there with a great group of guys, uh, some familiar names for your NHL followers. I played with, with Ray Shiro, Fred's son, who was a uh, you know, long-time GM in the NHL. Randy Sexton was our captain. Paul Castron, who's the head scout for the Jersey Devils. You know, we all played together at St. Lawrence. So there's, you know, there's a bit of a hockey, uh, a lot of college hockey and pro hockey coaches and, and administrators and management, uh, you know, coming out of St. Lawrence. But, you know, from there, I, I, like you said, I spent a year in Europe and I had an opportunity to come back and get involved in coaching at St. Lawrence. Um, back then they had graduate assistant programs. So I, I, I got my master's while I was coaching the junior varsity team and then rolled into a full-time position as an assistant under Joe Marsh, uh, a great mentor of mine. And then, you know, I, I moved on to Cornell. I coached a couple of years there and back to St. Lawrence for two more. And then this job opened in 92. And they were looking for someone who had experience at, you know, non-scholarship, uh, highly selective academic schools. And I was just fortunate that I'd been at, at two of those and had had some success. So, yeah, that was 1992, Guy. And, and here we are, 2021, uh, still going. So it's been... Uh, it's been quite a ride. Well, that's outstanding, and uh, obviously you're you're very comfortable there. You described the the college as you know kind of small, but in a in a beautiful part of uh, New York State. Uh, it, it might not be for everybody, but clearly it's comfortable for you. It is. I mean, it's a great community, and it is a community. We you know um, the, the the team is very much a community team as well. Like many of the junior programs in Alberta, a lot of our local people come to the game alongside of our students. Uh, you know, it's a it's a campus that's just beautiful. It's uh, it's always rated one of the best and most beautiful campuses in the country, uh, in the rolling hills here, south of Syracuse and central New York. So, um, yeah, it has been a good fit, and some of that probably had to do with my background, Elmont being a small town and very community centered, and um, you know, so it's it was an easy transition for me. I know st- the student body at some of the programs. I mean, they have their own unique chance from one rink to the next. The pep bands are outstanding, as you mentioned. Is there something uh, about uh, the the Raiders faithful that uh, that come to the rink? Are there certain traditions that they have? They're not throwing fish like uh, at the at the. Is that Cornell or is it Yale or? Yeah, uh, and, and, and it's it, it's crazy. I mean, New Hampshire throws a fish on the ice. Cornell does some crazy things when they play Harvard. I would say our biggest rivalry is Cornell. We're only separated by about 80 miles and um you know that those two games both here and over at Lina and Ithaca are, are, are fun games to be a part of so when we play at Cornell this is just kind of a, a, a you know one of those college traditions when we play at Cornell when we step on the ice for warm-ups the whole entire ice gets pelted with Colgate toothpaste um when Cornell comes to 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 Colgate and they step on the ice, the entire ice gets flooded with big red chewing gum. So, uh, you know, some fun, some fun little antics that go on, uh, at least between our two teams. Man, I don't know if I can find big red chewing gum up here anymore. <laughs> I haven't seen it around either. We, maybe we confiscated it all. We've got it stockpiled for those Cornell No games. kidding. Man, that's awesome. <laughs> that's a lot of fun. Well, Coach, I really enjoyed this conversation. I, I wish you the best of luck uh, the rest of the season. Uh, you got a tough one against Arizona State this weekend, but... This was a lot of fun. Thanks for taking the time. You bet, Keith. Thanks for, thanks for the opportunity and uh, having me on. I really appreciate it.
That was fun. Don Vaughn, the head coach of the Colgate University Raiders, who uh, I've mentioned it a few times already, but uh, they got a tough way to finish the month against uh, Arizona State this weekend and Western Michigan. Both those clubs are playing pretty good hockey right now and expected to be good teams this year. But Colgate in the ECAC, a lot of people maybe, I think, overlooking them a little bit this year. And uh, that could come back. Maybe that's a motivator for the coach and his team. But I expect good things from Colgate this year, next year. Uh, We'll see. They've got some talented players there, a couple of them drafted. we got one more segment to get to. We're going to turn on the 2022 draft spotlight, and a goaltender out of the Western Hockey League plays for the Spokane Chiefs. His name, Mason Bopit. Let's get to know him next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Comes back out to Yamamoto at the point. Goes over to Ellenick right circle. Now Smith at the point. Yamamoto left side shoots and scores! Tyler Yamamoto tees it up and scores! And the Chiefs win it here in overtime! Hi, this is Kyler Yamamoto for the Spokane Chiefs, and you are listening to the Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Oh, my. Welcome back to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming as we get ready to turn on the 2022 Draft Spotlight to close out this week's episode. Of course, a reminder, The Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's the best beef jerky you've ever had, and it's right here in Alberta. Two locations, Spruce Grove and Leduc, but they will ship it anywhere in Western Canada. Any order, any size, anywhere. In Western Canada, get in contact with Trent in Leduc to set that up. WilhockBeefJerky.com. For uh, this segment, we head south to the U.S. Division of the Western Hockey League. Netminder Mason Bopit, draft eligible this year, just announced, just included on uh, NHL Central Scouting's watch list. Uh, Mason, welcome to the program. How are things? Pretty good. Uh, thank you for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to get a chance to speak with you today. I apologize that it's the day after a loss. As you and I are speaking right now, it's a Wednesday, and you guys dropped a uh, a tight game. Ended up being 5-3, but there was an empty netter involved there, and I know it was tight uh, well into the third period. Uh, so I apologize that it's a day after a loss. But in general, how have you, how have you felt about the start of the season uh, for you and for the Chiefs? Uh, I felt like it's been pretty good. Our, our team's been looking good. We, every game we've been in has been uh, a really close game, which is really good. Uh, so far, it hasn't gone our way the first uh, couple games, but that's okay. Uh, we're playing really good, and I think uh, as we get into the season, though, we're going to get those bounces, and we're going to start getting some points here. And what about you on an individual basis? I go to the what we saw in the short season in the spring, and you had a really strong save percentage, even though you're giving up more than three goals a game. That just tells me you were seeing a lot of shots. How have you felt about the way you've played? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, so far it's been uh, pretty good. Uh, 
obviously always want to be doing better, but uh, can't complain with how it's been going so far. And just uh, I'm looking to keep getting better every day and keep improving and go from there. Well, I know last night uh, in that loss, uh, you, you, had, you faced off a, a penalty shot. Uh, you also had one one of those unfortunate ones that goes in from uh, outside the blue line, close to center ice. I should ask you about that. I apologize, but uh, one of those things. I don't know if you were screened or you just lose sight of it. What happened? Uh, just kind of one of those that I lost sight of it, and uh, it found its way in. It had its own eyes, and one that I need to have, and uh, definitely ninety nine out of a hundred times I will have. But uh, it was just happened that. That happened, so it's okay. And yet, to me, the more important thing is that goal made it 3 nothing. but instead of collapsing and folding, you guys fought back, you held the fort, the team got back into it and made a real good game out of it. The ability for a goaltender to bounce back after giving up a bad goal, that's really key, isn't it? How do you do that? Uh, I just I just think to myself that I can't do anything about it now. It's, it's in the past, so just got to look ahead and stop the next puck and give my team the best chance they can to, to get the win. Mason Bopit of the Spokane Chiefs is my guest here on the Pipeline Show as we uh, turn on the 2022 Draft Spotlight. Uh, Mason, what we like to do in this part of the show is get to know a player that's in your position, being that it's your NHL draft year, and there'll be uh, a lot of casual NHL fans might not watch junior or college hockey at all, so might not know anything about the Spokane Chiefs or have ever seen you play. So for the benefit of those people, Let's get some uh, some background, some general questions to start off with. Uh, first off, where are you from? Uh, South Surrey, British Columbia. It's uh, like a little suburb just outside of Vancouver. And do you remember when you first started playing hockey? When did you become a goaltender? I must have been probably in uh, grade, maybe grade four or five, so probably about, what is that, 10 or 11. And... Uh, it was at that age where you kind of everyone's kind of switching around positions, and uh, I decided to go in that one game. And I think that game we actually got blown out. Like it was probably like seven or eight one. And but there was one play. A kid got a breakaway, and he came in on me, and and I stacked the pads, and I made the save. And after that moment, I I, I fell for it. I I wanted to be a goalie after that. And, that was it. <laughs> it's in the history books. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, despite the lopsided uh, outcome of the game, that one moment, uh, that one shining moment as a goaltender is what uh, stood out for you and influenced you moving forward. That's fantastic. I always ask the goaltenders, you know, why they got into the position. And most of them say it's the gear. It's wearing the mask or the pads and the glove and stuff. Was there some of that, uh, it, it, part of that for you as well? Uh Honestly, not really. I I kind of always played goalie and like road hockey and ball hockey and that kind of stuff. So I just naturally was like, yeah, we'll give it a shot. And just after that day, I, I really, really loved it and was something I really wanted to do. My parents and family were super supportive and let me follow that route. Well, that's nice that your parents were on board because it's certainly not the cheapest position to have your kid play. Yeah, no, definitely. I think... Uh, I think after that game, uh, the story goes that my dad was pretty fired up because he was uh, he was like, "Oh, there's no way he's gonna want to be a goalie." And I came out big, <laughs> big smile on my face and was like, "I'm gonna be a goalie." And he was like, "Oh, well, <laughs> looks like you're a goalie." 
So uh, he felt that one right in the wallet. Yeah. yeah. Now the Chiefs drafted you in the fourth round uh, back in the WHL banner draft. A lot of guys I talked to were able to stay home from school that day, or they were at school following along on their phones or something. What was draft day like for you? Can you remember? Uh, I was actually getting over a cold, so I was at home when the uh, draft was happening, um, and we were we were watching on the TV, uh, and I, I my whole family was was there, and uh, I'm from Vancouver, BC, and I was playing up in at o- Okanagan Hockey Academy up in Penticton, so we're we're all all watching the the TV, and uh, when my when my name finally was called. Uh, my whole family went crazy then everyone back home was was pretty excited and I, my phone was blowing up because everyone was just really happy and really excited for me with 22 teams in the league unless it's the vancouver giants that draft you you know that you're going to be leaving town uh, and and having to move and travel to play uh, but to leave the country to go play in spokane outside of canada how'd you feel about that at a young age uh, I didn't know a whole lot about the the U.S. division. Uh, I I knew like Seattle and Everett because they're pretty close to pretty close to Vancouver, so the occasional game there. But but I didn't know much about it. So I I was honestly pretty excited because I I'd heard from talking to a couple guys that the the fans down here were were pretty cool and it was a great organization. And yeah, I've, it's been amazing since I've been here lives up to every expectation. Well, what was your first impression of uh, of the area? I know Spokane's a, it's a beautiful part of the Pacific Northwest, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very it's a very cool town. It's a little different from Vancouver. It's a little uh, old, older rustic style, but it it's pretty cool and they got an amazing facility for for us. Uh, the rink's amazing and just first class all around. It's it's awesome. And I could be wrong, but I believe at this point uh, the Chiefs are leading the league in attendance. So after the short season in the spring, not playing it in front of any fans for the most part, finally getting back onto the ice, getting things going normal and playing in front of a big crowd, that must be a lot of fun right now. Yeah, for sure. I, it, it gives, uh, I know for sure, me and the rest of the guys, a lot of energy when we have five, 6,000 people uh, chanting uh, to, to get us going and, it's definitely it definitely gives the home ice advantage a, a big key for us. And part of home ice advantage is that gong. Uh, after every home goal, they, they ring the gong. If it's five goals, there's five gongs uh, that happen. And I know it does it doesn't affect you because you're on the home team. But uh, you know if you're on the opposition team, that gong might get under your skin a little bit. That's that's pretty cool to have uh, as the home team, just as an intimidation thing. Yeah, definitely. Usually when we're hearing that thing, it's a good thing. So. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, it would definitely suck to be to be the away team in Spokane. It's a very tough place to play, I think. Well, for the benefit of those fans who haven't had a chance to watch the Chiefs play or maybe have never seen you play, I know to some degree or to most degree every goaltender these days is a butterfly goaltender, but what's different about your game? What's sort of unique about the way you play? Uh, I'm a pretty big guy and I, I like to say pretty uh pretty calm and just kind of let the game come to me. Um there you see a lot of guys they'll they'll sometimes try and go out of their way to to make a, a big lunging save or uh like put themselves out of position and I try and make a big key on uh just kind of making the easy save and uh having to use that athleticism 
at the last ditch kind of if I need to, but just trying to stay as, as simple and as calm as can be. The WHL's website, the roster page for the Chiefs, lists you at six foot five and about 184 pounds. I've seen 185 pounds elsewhere. Uh, I don't know how up to date that is, but what are you at right now? Uh, yeah, I think the last time I got my height, I was about uh, just a little taller, about six five and I think a half, so just a little bit taller. And, and uh, last time I weighed myself, I was at 187. So right, right around that, right around that area. But I, I think for definitely for my age, I got a really good frame that I can use to my advantage. Well, it's classic uh, modern day goaltender height, that's for sure. Have you always been like the biggest kid in your class? Uh, I was always pretty tall. Funny enough, no, never the tallest. There was, there was always someone taller than me, which, which is pretty, pretty crazy to think. But uh, yeah, no kidding. I, what are you going to a school with a bunch of basketball players? <laughs> yeah, basketball. You got a couple of volleyball players in there. Yeah, I don't know. So you were one of the tallest, but was it like a, a late growth spurt or something? You know, three, four years ago, were you, you know, five ten or something like that? No, I was I was always pretty tall. Um, like I was probably like I was probably in the top top five tallest in in my like school like grade or school every like every year when I was at school. Um, but it just kind of I just kind of kept growing kind of thing <laughs> when uh, when I, when a lot of people thought I was going to be stopping at like six one six two when I was in grade nine and I just kind of kept growing and yeah. Well, Mason, I should ask you about the draft and, and how much time you spend thinking about it. I know with the downtime with COVID and stuff, maybe you had more time on your hands than, than usual. Has the draft been something you spend much time thinking about? Uh, I think for everyone going into their draft year, it's, it's on their mind to a certain degree. Um, so uh, a little bit, I try my best not to think about it. Um, I, I believe it just kind of distracts me from, from playing hockey, and that's what I'm here to do. So. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I know that if I if I go to the rink and uh, and work hard and just play my game, it'll, it'll all work out with the draft and everything else. So just try not to think too much into it. That's interesting because I, I do talk to some players who say that they actively seek out to see where they're ranked by the various outlets out there or or the pundits. Uh, not for you though. Hey, you try to stay away from that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I yeah I try and stay away from it. I I don't see a point in it. I um, like, I just think it, it distracts me. Like if, if I'm in the net and I have a, a tough night and I'm freaking out about where I am moving statistics wise or rankings wise, I just don't, don't think it's a positive thing. Obviously to, when you hear that you're ranking high or whatever it may be, it's all, it's always a, it's always a good confidence booster, but definitely not something i'm i'm seeking out now being a uh, vancouver area kid there in surrey were the canucks your team growing up or were you cheering for somebody else for some reason uh a little bit funny enough i was probably i was a huge chicago fan for a bit there so the i went to i think it was uh conference finals and it was like maybe game six um and i and i rolled up in a chicago jersey so <laughs> So, um, but yeah, I think when I was younger, you kind of hop teams, but as I've kind of gone a little bit older, Vancouver is my team. 
All right, that makes sense. Uh, any particular reason that the first team was Chicago, though? I know, I don't know, was it the jerseys or something like that? I know a lot of people are attracted just to the sweaters. No, nah, more just the uniform, uniforms. I, I, I like how they look, and they're they're very clean. And Yeah, I just I always really liked how they looked. Now, over the last couple of years that you've been with the Chiefs in practice and things like that, who are the guys that you faced off with? on your team, you know, in practice, who are like the best shooters? Who are the guys that, you know, facing them in practice made you a better goalie because of how good they are as, as players? Uh, over the, my first couple, first couple years, I was, I was able to be out with, uh, Adam Beckman, who, who of course is with Minnesota's organization. Uh, and, and my first, first, first year, I was lucky enough to, to be out on the ice a few times with, uh, uh, Ty Smith and Phil Crawl and both outstanding players and just the way they think the game is unbelievable and they make it look so easy at such a high level and uh yeah those those three are probably the probably the best the best they they always would uh stay out and uh work with me after practice and uh especially Bex last year in the in the COVID season if if after or before practice I wanted to uh I wanted to work on something. He was always, uh, always uh, right there to help me with it. So some of those guys are teammates not that long ago, and now they're you know Ty Smith in the NHL, Adam Beckman in the American Hockey League, but uh, in NHL camp making some noise. It must feel pretty cool knowing that not that long ago they were in the exact same spot you were. The NHL's not that far away for you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I was able to get on the ice a few times with uh, with uh, Ty Smith in the summer and such a great guy and just to see where he is and, and know that he was in um my position obviously a different position but where i am in my shoes kind of thing it's pretty cool and very exciting time for me and uh yeah i'm just i'm just looking forward to see what the future holds i'm always intrigued by the uh, the relationship dynamic between the two goaltenders on a team because you're battling for starts you're competing to uh, get more ice time. You, you're on the same team, and you're and you're after the same thing, and in, in being team success that way. So, what's that relationship between you and Campbell Arnold like? Uh me and Arnie are are brothers. I I love him. He's we've we've never had an issue, and we push each other very hard in practice. And uh, he he's a guy that I can always count on to talk to, or if a call is not going my way, or something's not going right, he can I can he can calm me down, and uh, vice versa. Um, and, and we always got each other's back and it's, uh, it's, it's a very good relationship. So with that in mind, let me ask you that yesterday you have that goal that goes in from center ice, you skate back to the bench. Do you, do other guys say anything to you or do you just go over and do you, is it just you and Arnie you talk with, or, you know, what did he say? What's that like? Uh, I kind of just, I went to the bench and kind of looked at Arnie and just kind of was, like, kind of was in disbelief of that it happened but he just kind of said that don't worry about it like it happens to everyone it happens to the best in the nhl so don't worry about it um just keep your head in it we're still this game still still got a lot of time so just shut the door now and that's exactly what you did well mason listen i really appreciate your time today i wish you the best of luck this season with the spokane chiefs and uh thanks for taking the time to speak to me here on the pipeline show good luck sounds awesome thank you for having me
All right, there's that conversation with Mason Bopit of the Spokane Chiefs. A couple of things you need to know. First off, when I recorded that interview, I had my mic setting all screwed up. So when I uh, was editing it, I noticed, well, I sound like I'm in a submarine or something like that. Mason sounds great. Uh, but So I had to revoice all of uh, my questions. All of my side uh, is all done after the fact, after the interview, which maybe I'm uh, revealing too much uh, behind the curtain here. But uh, so... There was one section there where he was talking about when he was a kid and, and playing and uh, wanted to be a goaltender. And um, when you listen to that interview, you might be like, why does it sound like he is laughing really weird? And then I made a comment and and then uh, it clicks back into my post-interview uh, voice and it sounds a lot different. If, if you caught that, that's why. Because when I did the interview, I didn't want to try to re-voice my laughing because that sounds ha 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 really unnatural. So I just... I left it, uh, but I thought I would explain afterwards why it kind of sounded uh, a little bit different. Um, and also, after that conversation, the day after that conversation, well, Campbell Arnold got traded uh, to the Victoria Royals. So uh, if you're wondering why we that didn't get brought up, that's the case, because I, I chatted with Mason on Wednesday. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention is because patrons always get early access to all the interviews. This one was a because I had screwed up the the settings with my microphone. That one took me a little longer to put together, so it wasn't until, in fact, uh, on Friday here when I had finished uh, the edit job. So my apologies to patrons because uh, I promote that you get to hear every interview on of every episode before the general public, and in this particular case, you weren't able to do that. Uh, so I apologize to that. Uh, but that does wrap up this week's episode, so I appreciate the four guests that you heard from earlier today, and that, of course, means it's cleanup time. If you haven't got your bidet yet, go to hellotushy.com slash pipeline and order your bidet right now. It is, uh, it's going to be the best little gift you've ever given to yourself or to your significant other. And it might not be on the top of your shopping list. You might not be aware of your need to get a bidet, but once you've got a bidet, you won't go back. Put it that way. HelloTushy.com slash Pipeline. I do have one guest uh, next week already lined up. That will be uh, Chris Hebb. He's the commissioner of the BCHL. I've been uh, looking to have him on the show for a while now, now that their season is underway and, and some stories have started to come out. Uh, I didn't want to just talk about their decision to leave uh, the Canadian Junior Hockey League and what that means for the league going forward, but there are other things we can talk about now as well, although I, I do plan on bringing that up and just find out what the details are there, why they decided to leave the Canadian Junior Hockey League, what it means for the league moving forward. Have they already noticed a difference? Are they getting what they wanted by leaving the Canadian Junior Hockey League? We'll find that out next week. Chris Hebb scheduled to join me early in the week. So if you're a patron, you're going to hear that interview probably uh, well in on Monday or Tuesday. So uh, there's a reason for you to sign up to be a patron right there. Other than that, we'll keep the 2022 draft spotlight turned on. We'll keep you up to date on what's happening in the uh, Canadian Hockey League, the CGHL, uh, both the junior leagues in the States, the USHL and, and the NAL, and uh, keep our tabs on the NCAA moving forward as well. And don't forget U Sports, and maybe we'll talk a little AHL once uh, that season's got a few more weeks under its belt too. Lots we can cover here on the Pipeline Show. Well, you know this program is brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky, and I am out. So I am, uh, I think I'm on my way to Spruce Grove. That's the location nearest me, and I am going to have to pick up a couple of pounds. So let me go do that. I got the Oil Kings tonight and tomorrow night. The uh, Brandon Wee Kings in town tonight. 
And tomorrow night, it's the Medicine Hat Tigers, so it should be a couple of great games down in downtown Edmonton at Rogers Place. If you're in the area, man, it would be great to see more fans coming out. So they're getting about two, uh, between two and 3,000. It's announced to be about 3,500, but a lot of those, I'm told, are season tickets uh, that they get with the Edmonton Oiler tickets, and a lot of Oiler fans don't come to the Oil Kings, unfortunately. Uh, so if you're in the area and you're concerned, well, it's still COVID, and I understand all that, uh, let me just tell you, 2,000 fans in a building that holds 18,500, there's lots of room. Don't worry about that. So I hope we start seeing more fans showing up for Edmonton Oil King games. Until next week, everybody, my name is Keith Fleming. This has been the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. See ya.